Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. What's up, everybody? February 13th edition of the Holy Smokes podcast. Yours truly, Joe Ferraro, at Showdown Joe on social media. And, of course, my co-host, as always, managing editor for Fightful.com, Sean Rossap. You can follow him at Sean Rossap. This is the pre-Valentine's edition. No, Sean will not be my Valentine. I will not be his Valentine, although uh, there is some little bro love here, bromance here. I love seeing Sean every week here Tuesdays, 3 p.m. Eastern, so much to discuss. I really want to do that post-show podcast on Saturday based on the debacle that happened at UFC 21. So many just crazy things happened. We will get to them uh, a little bit later on in the show. Maybe we'll kick things off with that. We'll also preview UFC Austin, uh, which is a fantastic main event, a pretty damn good card as well. We'll be joined by James Vick. Uh, we'll get our pros picks, get their thoughts on a, on a bunch of main events or, or just a bunch of thoughts on some fights. Um, with Romero, Yoel Romero emerging victorious on Saturday night despite missing weight should he get the title shot versus Robert Whitaker we will discuss that as well this, this division uh you know as Sean puts it so eloquently is a mess the middleweight division is a mess uh the heavyweight division has some love though Tuivasa Curtis Blades oh well, we might have some new love here we'll see or new blood in there we'll see what's going on there but what does this mean for Mark Hunt is he done after that performance or that loss um, versus Curtis Blades. We'll get into that. Of course, Bellator 190, 194 is going down uh, this Friday, as is Titan FC. Same evening, uh, there's a Pitbull brother competing on the card, but he's not in the main event, so I'm not sure if Sean is happy or sad with that. Mr. Ross uh, Sean Ross Sapp, what's going on? Yeah. 
There, the boys are saying uh, on the live chat, Sean Rossap is muted. Is that possible? Oh, Wirecast. Oh. The whole show? Yeah. All right. Well, guys, we'll, uh, Sean will take care of those technical difficulties to see what's going on. But UFC 221, uh, as he mentioned, you know, it, it's not going to get, uh, I don't know what the full buy rate was. I know it's not going to be very high. People were ripping it apart. But such is the nature sometimes when, when things have to change and things have to get moved around. And you don't have a real champion defending his title. When you think about a guy like Robert Whitaker, who many of us were looking forward to seeing compete, uh, it's just a fantastic fight. can happen. Yoel Romero steps in there. Doesn't make weight, uh, apologizes afterwards, but you know it's it, it is one of those things. But that card in general was absolutely fantastic. I mean, if you think about um, the main event, the co-main event, Curtis Blades now new blood in this heavyweight division. He takes out Mark Hunt after almost getting knocked out in that first round. Uh, I want to get into the, those judges' scorecards. I want to get Sean's reaction and everybody over in the live chat to see what their reactions are with that 230-26s for Curtis Blades and then a 29-27, which you know, technically should have been the right scorecard from the top. Um, you know, Tuivasa taking out Surreal Asker, people ripping apart Surreal Asker on social media. I noticed that throughout the fight. Um, you know, listen, the guy looks the way he looks, but um, Tuivasa, I mean, two minutes and 18 seconds, pulls off the TKO. I mean, it was just a vicious beating. Um, not to say when you look at fighters physically and what they look like sometimes you look at them and you're like how was this guy even a fighter how did he even get to the ufc how did the ufc allow this guy to come in there that's the type of look surreal oscar has but he did ha he does have some victories got into the big show and fortunately he ran into a guy in, in tuivasa who's an absolute killer let's test this i think they can hear me now i think they can hear me now well, we got a bit of a delay, so uh, we'll know in about two seconds if anyone can reply to us on the live chat that you can hear Sean. Think, yeah, and then we'll get back. Me. Yeah, we're yeah? good. We're good. good. All right, we're good. So go ahead. We're good. Yeah, it's Valentine's week. I'm ready to rock. Training new guys, doing doing the damn thing here at Fightful.com. Uh, yeah, guys, you all can check out the uh, the UFC 221 post show over on FightfulPods.com, FightfulMMA.com, and everywhere are our, our podcast platforms are but inside the cage as i mentioned to you joe i thought that that show really delivered uh, a lot more than the the lack of marquee names that it that it delivered that it had on the show but man curtis blades looked good i thought that tuivasa looked good romero you know he looked good kind of in that half title fight but i mean it's just luke rockhold to me as, as we wrap up the ufc 221 talk Luke Rockhold, to me, as you've mentioned before with other guys, he looks like he's just sparring in there all the time. He's got all these physical tools, and he's got this power, and he's got this this good ground game and stuff like that, but he always looks like he's just sparring. Yeah, he's very – well, 
I think in this fight here, he was just being patient, waiting for the right opportunity to unload. But, I mean, the opportunities were there, in my opinion. But as soon as you saw Yoel Romero in the second round beginning to, to switch gears, it almost felt like Luke had to go on the defensive or more of a counter style. Uh, but there were times when Romero would, 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 you know, slow down. I think Jimmy Smith did a fantastic job in explaining how Romero, you know, reloads, explodes reloads, explodes. I think it's a, it's a fantastic way of looking at the way Yoel Romero, Romero competes. Now, Luke Rockhold, you know, uh, I also saw afterwards, after the KO, uh, you know, it, it almost felt like everybody and their brother, basically, and sister, and parents, and pets, were like, you know, Luke Rockhold got what he deserves. His ego got crushed. Uh, you know, there was some derogatory stuff said about him. I'm not the biggest fan of Luke Rockhold. I mean, never. I think everyone knows that. My interactions with him have been very negative. So, uh, but I could care less. So, the guy what has he done? Oh, it's just, just he's. Um, in my experiences, just not a nice guy. Just not a very polite guy. Not a very, you know, it's it's he's that guy that you try and talk to, but he's looking the other way to see who else is in the room or totally not paying attention to you and just oh, okay, I'm not not here to be your friend. We just happen to be in the same room waiting to start an interview or something. But uh, I'll, I'll say this: there were other people that have been with me uh, from the media world and or from you know Sportsnet and almost unanimously. We're all like, "What a douchebag this guy sure. is!" And I'm like, "Whatever, man." It's just yeah, people I don't, I don't can be arrogant. It sound right? like I'm doubting you. I was just asking for your, for your personal yeah. experience there. I, I, if I were him, I'd move to 205. But the Romero situation, like, I wouldn't give him the title shot. I wouldn't. He took this Based. fight, and, and you know, I don't think it's it's like, I don't think it's horrible that he missed weight. It sucks, sure. But it sucks more for him than for anybody else. Like, did did anybody really give a damn that much about an interim title? If they did, okay, reevaluate your priorities and all that stuff. I would do the old thing, and I can't remember what fight it was. There was a light heavyweight situation a few years back, if you remember. And Dana White said, there are two light heavyweight fights on this show. Whoever looks most impressive gets a title shot. I would run uh, Weidman, Jacare, and I would run Romero, Gastelum. On the same show, and I would have Dana White say, whoever looks most impressive, that's who I'll give the title shot to out of all these guys. Because who knows how long Robert Whitaker's going to be around for a while, and uh, Lacomite is saying Robert doesn't sell by himself. Well, yeah, but he isn't going to sell with Romero either. Nobody gives a damn about Yoel Romero. There's not, like, he's not some big draw. Yoel Romero versus... Robert Whitaker probably draws the exact same amount as Robert Whitaker against... Luke Rockhold does. Like, I don't think it makes any measurable difference in that regard, but that middleweight division is is messy, and this is something we've talked about before, Joe. Take a look at it right now. And I have the, the current rankings up there. They just pulled Anderson Silva out recently. So we're starting at champion Robert Whitaker, stomach infection. Uh, GSP has been pulled from these rankings as well. Yoel Romero just missed weight. <laughs> Luke Rockhold, he's he's lost a couple in a row. <clears throat> I think he's I think he's lost a couple in a row. But anyway, that that's not what I'm concerned about. Go on down. Number six, Michael Bisping, he's retiring. Number nine, Uriah Hall should not be permitted to fight at middleweight anymore. After <laughs> he and his team said that he almost died making weight. Sorry, you're moving up. Vitor Belfort, he's about to retire. Leota Machida did not beat Eric Anders. He did not beat Eric Anders. And he might be retired a year from now. 
So if you throw in GSP and you throw in Anderson Silva, that's like six of your guys that were in the top 15 that are not going to be there soon. That's more than like women's bantamweight and women's strawweight are losing because of the formation of women's flyweight. What a what a mess. Yeah, it's. I mean, and a lot of these divisions go through this uh, every so often. But it, it, I mean, you, you'd figure middleweight being so close to to uh, welterweight, there should be a fair amount of more talent or more depth in this division. There just simply isn't uh, in the early part of 2018. It used to be a division that used to have all kinds of talent uh, that Anderson Silva ran through. And then when Weidman was a champion, there were there were very, many options for him to 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 go through. But uh, I think with the way things are right now, it's, it always starts off at the top, you know, when the champion and or champions are ill and are injured, it messes up the division, especially one that doesn't have depth. Um, we're kind of seeing it with even in light heavyweight when John Jones was the champ. Now he's gone. Well, Cormier now. And if you look at the light heavyweight division, it's like, well, okay, what do we do with that? You know, heavyweight, we were talking about, oh boy, we need some new stars. Thankfully, uh, with Curtis Blades and, and Tuivasa, We've seen some stuff here. We're starting to see some stuff. And I think with middleweight, this stuff needs to happen. This stuff needs to change. I mean, is there anyone at welterweight that may want to go up to 185 pounds or go back to 185 pounds like a Damian Maya? Would he entertain the fact that, you know what, this division isn't as deep as it was before? Maybe I should go up. I doubt he will. But this. Yeah, Cerrone would. I, that's <laughs> If the opportunity for Cerrone was to, to fight at light heavyweight, he would do it as well. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, as for light heavyweight, that's why I said that Rockhold and Weidman should have moved up a while back. like, But, I mean, for Rockhold, he had a title opportunity, so it didn't really matter. And he didn't lose two in a row. He had just he was ready for a title shot, if if I remember correctly, because he beat, he beat David Branch. But, I mean, that, that's, his, that's his win over the last couple of years. David Branch, that's it. And all due respect yeah. to David Branch, who is ranked number eight in this division, I, I don't think he should be ranked number eight in that division, necessarily. He won a split decision over Jotko, and that's it in the UFC since 2010. Okay. Uh, I guess we'll see. I mean, whew, that between 185 and 205, it's a mess, and they're giving that 205 division time to, to sort itself out. And maybe Whitaker getting this stomach and illness will allow some, some more time to flush it out, but they need they need the Paulo Costas. They need people like that to really – the Tiago Santoses to really step uh, up and – Ole Samuel Ole has the, the post of posts. Romero versus Gasolum in the if you miss weight, you're fired matchup. Yeah, well, they, that's the thing. <laughs> that's the thing. That situation could work itself yeah. out to where who looks most impressive? Well, by default, it's uh, the winner of Weidman versus Musashi because Gasolum and Romero might not make weight. That might be in a, a 190-pound fight. Not, not Weidman, Musashi. Weidman, Sosa. Or Weidman. Yeah, if Musashi were there, it'd be him, though. Right? How about that? So it's interesting how that how that kind of messes At things up. At one eighty five or two oh five, it'd be Musashi. Yeah, he could fill both divisions. You're right. Yeah, it's oh it's crazy. So. Yeah. Uh, no, Frosty, uh, the snowman. We're not going to throw Johnny Hendricks uh, into the mix as well. Hell he doesn't. No, get out of here. Fortunately, no. Unfortunately, no. He's ranked number five in the UFC heavyweight division after that that win over Mark Hunt. Uh, justified, in my opinion. Uh, I don't think Mark Hunt should be at number six anymore, though. I think he should be down below uh, Alexander Volkov and Derek Lewis, to be honest with you. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I can see that argument there. Uh, I, I saw a tweet afterwards saying, "The future of the heavyweight division is not Francis Ngannou; it's Curtis Blades." Yeah, actually, Holy... he, he shouldn't be. He shouldn't be under Derek Lewis. He just beat Derek Lewis, but definitely yeah. below Volkov. Sorry about that. Yeah, Curtis Leave Blades, man, yeah. twenty-six years old, eighty-two inch reach, good, uh, good wrestling background. Has already taken Mark Hunt and Francis Ngannou's best punches. And live to tell about it. My God, what did you think of his physique when he entered the octagon? I was like, this guy's putting in his work, and I don't think that's PEDs because he still has a little bit of fat on him. But man, is he putting in that work? Oh yeah, oh yeah. And somebody says the UFC rankings don't mean anything when the UFC controls them. They don't control them. Uh, there are media that, that vote on them, but it's some of the media is questionable there. But that's because the UFC's criteria turned off so many legit media. So I left. I left those rankings a very, very, very long time ago. Uh, after sitting there and and just, I, I, I can tell you, man, in person when I used to have conversations with some of the media members that were credentialed at UFC events, the conversations were generally short. I was just like, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. How you are writing about this? I think the UFC is just simply trying to fill up the seats in the media section to ensure that it looks like that there's media covering it because you don't have. The- <laughs> freaking clue what MMA is or what UFC in general is. So it is what so, it is. Yeah, Romero's knockout and all that stuff, that's cool. But Tuivasa, Blades, and that heavyweight division, I think, was what took center stage on this show. Tuivasa got on ESPN here for drinking beer out of a shoe. Sick! Have you ever done that? No, you don't, drink. No. you don't drink. I would never do that. I mean, I don't now, care. Come on. Now, now let's, let's talk about this. Oh, boy. Your boy has the the custom, the custom Air Force Ones. Impressive. Custom. Impressive. And I wouldn't even drink beer out of this thing. Clean no. as a whistle. <laughs> oh, man. You can't wear those outside, can you? Like I can, right now? and I only do on dry days. Yeah, yeah. I would not wear I, – I, my new thing now are Under Armors. I was the biggest Adidas guy ever. But I'm an Under Armour guy now, and there's my all my Under Armours. I will not outside right now. If, if I could show you guys what's outside my my window here, it is just a snowy and slushy mess. Some Olay Samuel Lee asks, is the Blades hype train bigger than the Derek Lewis one? There, I don't know that there is a Blades hype train. I, the the biggest hype train to me was the fact that he went two rounds with Francis Ngannou. That was, and and the thing is. Derek Lewis is a little too much like Mark Hunt, and they, they say book Lewis against Blades. I don't think Derek Lewis has a damn chance in that fight. Not if not if uh, Curtis Blades took Mark Hunt and Ngannou's best shots. What's Derek Lewis got for him? And, yeah, and no, it's a valid point, though, because there isn't much hype around Blades because he's a humble, quiet guy, per se, right? He's not going to go out there and, and do what Derek Lewis does and absolute make a mockery of anything and everything when a microphone yeah. is put in front of his face. Uh, at the same time, Francis Ngannou, even when he has a microphone in front of his face, uh, forget about the performances in the octagon. He's, a, he's just an absolute murderer. But even when he has the microphone in his face, what he says, people want to listen, and it's very political. Curtis Blaze is just a good dude, man. Just a quiet, humble guy. Goes to the gym, trains, and you know I know a lot about Derek Lewis from from you know Jose Shorty Torres, a Titan FC champ or two division champ. I get lots of stories about him. He's just exactly what you see, you know, just a very humble guy. Gets his, gets the job done, trains, goes home, relaxes, wash, rinse, repeat. I like Curtis Blades a lot. I like him. He's young. He's got a, lot, a good background. He's new. 
I also like Taito Ivasa, 24 years old. Joe, that just a few, like a, a while after you did that column, like that heavyweight division, just him being put in that heavyweight top 15, he debuted at number 15, by the way, that drags that heavyweight age down to a level that maybe we've not seen in years because Curtis Blades is 26. He'll be 27 soon. Taito Ivasa is 24. Junior Albini, even though he lost his last fight, I think he's 26 years old. And he has the head of a of a eleven year old, but he's twenty six years old. Stefan Struve, I think, turns thirty this year. But that when's the last time we saw four or five guys that are under the age of thirty that are in the heavyweight top ten? And I think what's Volkov? Volkov's twenty nine too. He's young too, yeah. My God, man, this is good. Why stuff. is it every time we mention Junior Albini, I can't stop laughing? Because he wears a diaper and his head is the size of a baby. Will Reebok create a diaper for him in his next he fight? He looked like the person who was playing with shampoo bottles. Remember how he told the story about how his kid <laughs> played yeah. with shampoo bottles because they were so poor he didn't get paid for his last ten fights? Yeah. He looked like he he was playing with the shampoo bottles. I love you, Junior Albini. Best story in MMA. Hands down best story in MMA. Most heartwarming yeah. story in MMA. He's playing with the shampoo bottles. What an odd duck. He's just an odd duck. Fun to watch, but just an odd duck. Yeah, an odd duck that looks like baby Huey. <laughs> yeah, right? No. <laughs> ding, 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 ching Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Still need those sound effects. Still need those sound effects. But this heavyweight division, though, it, I mean, the, the two performances, this is why I like certain things about <clears throat> when the proper matchmaking is done or the proper belts are put. It, it goes back to an article I wrote for Fightful. The importance of, of matchmaking is the ability to – there's a reason why the matches were put together because there are storylines heading into them and important storylines heading out of them. It's when you have ass clown A versus ass clown B who's number 30 in the world rankings versus number 31 in the world rankings. I don't care about that fight in the UFC. I'll care about it if it's outside of the UFC, whether it's Titan, whether it's anywhere else. But not in the UFC. In the UFC, I believe every single fight should have some sort of story or relevance as to what happens to the winner in this fight. Where do they go? It, it, if it was a, I know it's a business. I don't care. But if there was a bit of transparency to say, you know what, the winner of this fight will get this person next, or blah blah blah. You're you've always got a really cool, almost floating bracket that continues to move around, where you know what's next for yourself as a fighter and as a fan of the fighter, a fan of the UFC, a fan of the sport. You know that when these two guys win, or when these two guys or girls face off, the winner moves into this slot, who'll take on the winner of this fight, or is th there's a winner already there w waiting, right? Somebody asks, "What's with our boy Elias talking shit on Adesanya?" They're in the same weight class. Adesanya yeah. looked good. Tyson Pedro looked good. Jusier Formiga maybe inching closer to that title shot that has eluded him for the last six, Out of seven Sergio years. Pettis has to say, Sergio Pettis wants him bad. Uh, th that's a good fight. I like that fight. Yep. Uh, Volkanovski looked unbelievable. Uh, Ross Pearson held on one more day. One more day. day. But let's talk about the worst thing that happened on this show. Jake Matthews getting his eyes ripped out. And the referee – so here's the deal. Here's the deal, okay? <clears throat> I do my best to give bet referees and judges and some – well, not judges, but referees the benefit of the doubt because 
it's instantaneous decisions. You're the one in there that has to make the decision. But when a fighter blatantly, it's not even. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's it's an infraction. It's breaking the unified rules of mixed martial arts. But there's a massive safety issue happening here. I, I think. You know, Jake Matthews did very well in his post-fight interview explaining that, look, man, we're fighting here. Sometimes you do what you got to do to survive. Okay, I get that. But it's also a sport. This is not Now, Jake Matthews' comment, let's move it to the side. This is also a sport, and the referee is there to ensure that when someone tries to do anything and everything to survive, doesn't happen to break the rules uh, of the Unified Rules of Mixed Martial Arts. So when a guy's in a guillotine and he puts his fingers into a guy's eye to get out of the submission, that is not a legal technique to get out of a a guillotine. Okay, Uh, There's different ways. Arm over the shoulder, try and pass the guard, just press on the head, you know, Turn your neck. There's, there's many ways to get out of the submission. Putting your fingers in someone's eye is not it. At that point there, personally, and I'm not in that situation, Sean. I don't know what you would have did, but that could have been an instant disqualification. Instant. Not even if you're, you're dealing with someone's eyesight. And it wasn't like it was a poke in the eye, which is bad enough. Driving your fingers into somebody's eye socket to press their eyeball so it kisses their brain. Okay? Done. And it is, disqualification. Uh... And as Fightful's Pat Fannin said, uh, Elias noted that Adesanya was one and known in the UFC without a legit top-tier opponent. I mean, I can understand why Elias is maybe a little miffed by this guy getting... I mean, they ran his Octagon interview. They usually only do that for people that they they care about on the prelims. And maybe Elias' fighting style isn't really what the UFC wants in that regard. He's got the look. He's got the, the win. He's got the win-loss record, but... Hey, by the way, guys, leave us a thumbs up, all that good stuff. We talked to the main eventer of this, or not main eventer, but it could be James Vick. He has gone on an unbelievable streak recently, Joe. Like, and he even says it in this interview, and we got the full interview up at uh, FightfulMMA.com and, and YouTube.com slash Fightful. I was a little surprised that he didn't get the push that... that he wanted, and he said that, I mean, Francisco Trinaldo, when he took this fight, was above him in the rankings. But uh, James Vick talks about who turned down fights with him. Take a listen, guys. Uh, we, we talked about this before your last fight. I know there's so many people that you want to fight. Um, were there any actual offers on the table? Because uh, I know you, you wanted to fight Evan Dunham. I know there's been some other fights that you, you tried to set up, but it just seems like they're not happening. And, and I know you got Trinaldo, but were there any other fight offers in between of, you know, maybe opponents just turning down the fight? Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, well, first of all, I, mean, I didn't really. It's not that I wanted to fight Evan Dunham. The UFC, Sean Strobe asked me to fight him back this in the summer. Wanted me to fight him in August, and I agreed. And then he wouldn't take the fight. And now I have no interest in fighting him because he's not. He's he's ranked, you know, a few spots. He's three or four spots below me, and he's a you know he's a thirty six year old journeyman. I have no interest in, in fighting that dude unless he was ranked above me. And I and it wasn't like I was just randomly calling out Evan Dunham because I thought he was an easy opponent. The UFC approached me with the fight, you know. But um, for this camp, yeah, I mean, for this fight, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Kevin Lee and Michael Chiesa both turned down the fights with me. And um, uh, I can't wait till, till they try to, de- to deny that because I'm going to have the text messages to shave. So either Sean, Sh- either Sean Shelby's lying or they're lying one, you know. So if they start to, you know, start talking shit, you know, that's the second time Kevin Lee's turned down the fight with me. You know, I'm just going to I'm just going to release the text, you know, if, if, if he wants to deny the shit, you know. Um, uh, but neither one of them wanted to fight. And then um, – uh, 
they were looking at potentially Paul Felder, but you know he 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 had to wait. He, I guess he was something happened and he, he needed to wait a little bit longer. And then he was like, "Well, Trinaldo will take the fight. Um, uh, you know, he'll take the fight with anybody." And I said, "Okay, yeah." I said, "Not a problem. Let's do it." And at the time, it was good because, I mean, it still is good. Don't get me wrong. At least he's a top fifteen guy as well. Um, at the time, he was ranked above me actually one spot above me so it was actually a step up and and at least it's not a step back you know i mean i mean yeah he's ranked a couple spots below me now because they they redid the rankings but at least it's someone in the top 15 as well yeah no for sure and uh, obviously trinaldo's got a great record the 22 and 5 record how do you feel like you match up against him in this fight i mean he's good he's tough and you know i know people see me um uh, doing all these interviews, talking about, you know, all these other people and being aware. You know, I'm not overlooking this guy, but I don't think that me being confident in saying that I'm going to win is overlooking anyone. Of course not. You're just you looking know, ahead. I, I mean, you have to, you know, so. And and, 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 and me, me me overlooking someone would be half-assed training, which I never do. You know, I always go hard and, and I'm I'm ready. And, I mean, he, he's a tough guy. He's a tough He's a tough guy. He's, I mean, he's won – Eight out of his last nine fights um, in the UFC, and he won seven fights. I mean, how many people do you know who have won seven fights in a row in the UFC? There's not many people that have did that, you know. So it it is super impressive, and and he's a tough guy. He's he's not a you know he's not a punk. He's not going to break, but um, he you know I think that he has gas tank issues. You know he had, he had, you know he has cardio. He, uh, his cardio has always been suspect, and um, uh, I think that. Point wise, like the only way he could win this fight is if he finishes me. Like I'm not going to lose a decision to these guys, and he's known for winning decisions. He's known for going the distance, and I just think that I, I throw too much volume, and I'm, I'm too much of a volume striker to lose a decision to, to, to him. There's no way. So, but I, that being said, I think that that I have a, a, a just I have more tools. I have more tools. I'm more well-rounded. I have a, a better skill set, and um, I think that there's a good chance I'm going to get the finish. Always outspoken, James Vick. Calling out uh, Kevin Lee and Michael Chiesa for both turning down fights with him. Says that if they deny it, that he's going to release the text messages. Uh, Trinaldo is a good fight for him, though. That is another guy uh, you're not going to find a lot of people who have won eight of their last nine in the UFC matching up together and it not be a main event. Like, that's that's pretty nuts. Not only that, not a co-main event because Derek Lewis, Marcin Tibura is. This show on uh, Saturday... Could be uh, could be a lot of fun. Unfortunately, Jessica Aguilar, who we just talked to uh, for, it's, isn't it Sunday or Sunday? Oh God, is it Sunday? Yeah, I believe it's Sunday. I could be wrong. I'm Hot pretty sure it's dog. Sunday. February eighteenth is a Sunday on my calendar. Saturday night is free. <laughs> so we think. Yeah, that's as of the, now. Yeah, that's when like the craziest news drops. Yeah. Yeah, but sorry, go ahead. Yeah, Derek Lewis but and Marcin Tibura are the co-main event. Yeah, decent show on on paper that we're, we're looking at here. Jessica Aguilar's opponent, um, <laughs> Livia Hanata Souza, took the fight and then pulled out. So it looks like y- you never know what's going to happen now if she'll get anybody or not. So um, I saw that there was a last-minute addition to the show as well. So they're trying to fill up the card, but. They got some good fights on there. Alves is on the show. James Vick, Trinaldo, Tibura, Derek Lewis, Dar- Don Cerrone, Yancey Medeiros, uh, Sage Northcutt. Say what you want about him. He's exciting. You got Sarah Morris on the show, top 15 ranked fighter. I'm liking this show, Joe. I'm not liking the fact that Josh Berkman's on the show. Yeah, that's but, dumb. Yeah. 
It's it's very unfortunate, but it is what it is. I mean, that's just there's nothing we can do about it. Just all we can do is discuss it. The fact that Josh Berkman should be hanging up his gloves and should have about three, four fights ago. It's unfortunate, but I guess uh, you know I'm at the point now where I hope this is the final fight of his contract. Um, you know, and maybe he has the performance of a lifetime. It does retire and gets money, and they can walk away because he should not be competing right well, now. now. His body can walk ahead. You know, he's not going to retire. He's going to keep fighting. Yeah. I don't know what their deal is. I don't know why they keep giving him fights. Like, four in a row isn't enough? All right. Okay, so you have one win in your last eight fights in the UFC. No, oh, oh, wait, no, sorry. Not your, not in the UFC. You have one win in your last 11 UFC fights. How about that one? Dating back to 2008. Because he lost three one time before to get booted out. Yeah. I was going to say it's, it, it could be some ultimate, you know, original ultimate fighter love, but he was on season two, wasn't on season one. So I could see them being loyal to the guys that were in season one. But at the same time, he's taking just too much. And I know he's a great guy. I've met him numerous times. He's just a great dude. Sure. But in the interest of health and safety, I don't think he should be competing anymore. But the rest of this car, like you said, is a fantastic card. Uh, a lot of tests here for, for a guy like Jeffrey Neal taking on Brian Camozzi. What does this mean for Brian Camozzi? I know we talked about Mark Hunt earlier on. Is he done? Is this it for Mark Hunt? Uh, you know, losing to the next generation or, or, the, or the, almost the passing of the torch. Um, you know, Camozzi at 170 pounds taking on Jeffrey Neal. What he does loses. this really mean? He loses. Right? He's gone. He's, he's yeah. 0-2 in the UFC. If he loses, he's out of there. There's no yeah. way they keep him on just just to do it. You can't. You, I mean, he doesn't even have the benefit of having like the the background and the history that Berkman does. Um, and I mean, you got another guy uh, in Carlos Diego Ferreira whose back his back was up against the wall last January. He won, kept his kept his career alive, hasn't fought since, and now is fighting uh, Jared Gordon. Like that's that's the task you took. You lost two times. Then you took a year off, and your welcome back party is Jerry Gordon, 14-1? Yeah. Ooh, that's Not tough, good. man. That ain't yeah. easy. Mm-hmm. No, I got you. Totally got you. But it, it is uh, – I like the Northcutt fight. I do too. Right? I, that's, I just, that's I just a... think that the Gordon-Ferreira matchup is weird. But, yeah, the Sage-Northcutt fight, that's fair. I mean, the guy he's facing has one win in his last four fights, but is coming off of a win. And – the thing is, Sage is still, he'll be 22 in a couple weeks. He's still so young. Significant favorite of minus 215 is Northcutt, so that's pretty good. Good Probably for him. Probably should be. Probably should be. He's a he's a very dynamic striker, and what I like is when he really gets into it and gets full of himself and starts to talk a little <laughs> bit in the cage. Oh, man. I, uh, you know, there, there's times, just, just uh, not to get sidetracked here, but I'm sitting here trying to I'm looking at the, the the fight odds here and impressive, but I have a friend who continues to text me and negotiate certain things, knowing full well I'm doing the podcast. So this party's trying to negotiate, and it's like, okay, no, I'm doing the podcast. What for my team video? Uh, no, for some for some other things, but is what it is. This oh, there's there's a bunch of nego. My whole day today, Sean Ross and everyone tuned in. Yeah, no, it's been a one heck of a whirlwind of negotiations for all my businesses. I start getting, I'm, I, it's beginning to pick up, which is thankful for the, uh, the bank account, obviously, well, of course. but my goodness, is it just like, okay, three o'clock guys, three o'clock to four thirty Eastern time. No negotiations. <laughs> oh, I, got, I have members of the fightful team who will message me on Skype. When I tell them not to, I'm like, Hey, that could mess with the picture here. Cause I run this off of Skype. 
They they never listen. I'm gonna send them the the card of our time and date. Uh, we have also on this show Sarah Morris against uh, Pudilova. Morris is two and one in her three and a half year UFC career. She didn't get to stay in the cage a lot. It took her a year to get into the cage. Okay, it was <laughs> almost two years between professional fights between. AFC and UFC, but she did have those three tough fights in the middle there. Then it took her a year to get back in the cage uh, between 14 and 15, and she lost to Jessica Andrade. Then it took her two years to get in the cage, but luckily now it's, it's really the most regular that she's been able to fight since the Ultimate Fighter. And here's the thing, Joe. She's in a situation now where... She may move up to 145 eventually if they build any semblance of a division. But her first two, really, you look at almost everybody in that she's fought in the UFC. Even from tough. Peggy Morgan, she was not a 135-er, and she got bounced. Tara LaRosa was not a 135-er, and she ended up washing out of that whole thing. Juliana Pena, 135-er. But Alexis Dufresne, she was never a 135-er. She was never a 145-er. She couldn't make weight there. And Jessica Andrade has since moved down to 115. Ashley Evans-Smith and Juliana Pena are really the only real looks at fighting a a real 135-pound fighter that we've got out of Sarah Morris. And that's that's nuts that she's been in the UFC since essentially 2013. And we haven't got that many real looks at her in the 135 division. Yeah, uh, I don't think she should go to 145. Personally, uh, unless she's having a big time struggle to get to 135, yeah, fight at 145. But I don't think she'll be getting a title shot versus Cyborg anytime soon. Even if she does move up to 145, uh, payday might be nice for her. Depends on what her manager negotiates. Uh, but you're right. I think that's a, it's a very fair assessment. We don't really know. Like I mean, from a Canadian perspective. You look at some of the ladies competing in the UFC. She hasn't really um, – every time we see her, she's gone. She's back. She's gone. Something's going on, right? So, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to throw my Canadian bias here and, and say I'm not going to be cheering for her. But, oh, I, I like uh, Sarah. I, Sarah's yeah. a wonderful girl to interact with too. Like we did an interview with her and her, her cat, Tumbles, made a cameo. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Yo, on James oh, you must have loved that. Yeah. Oh, she's, she's a gem. It's just, man, she's before... Before this, she's had trouble staying in the cage, and not yep. only that, like when she was in the cage, like those weren't real one thirty fivers for better or for worse. Because yeah. I mean, I can say Jessica Andrade isn't a real one thirty fiver, but she was still a pretty decent one thirty fiver, all things considered. I mean, she beat Sarah, she beat uh, she beat a couple of girls at one thirty. She beat like Pacheco, she beat Raquel Pennington at one thirty five, who's getting a title shot now, but. um it, we're looking at the the women's 135 division from 2013 ish. That was not the 135 division. I mean, it was at the tip top. The people who made it to fight Rousey, those were 135s. But yeah, man, I'm excited to see what Sarah Morris can do. She's still young. She's 
She'll be 30 this year, and, you know, age does play a big factor in this. And maybe she doesn't have the cage miles on her because of this. Because she only has seven pro fights. She had those three fights in the Tough House. But I'm excited to see how she looks in this because she's still a top 15 fighter. That armbar she pulled off against Ashley Evans-Smith, I loved. And I want to see some more of that. I'm ready to see see Sarah Morris in the cage regularly to show what, what she can do. And she's facing a woman who uh, I think is going to be a good test for her. I still can't believe you're calling her Morris. It's not Morris. Morass. Morass. Yeah. And she looked me dead in the eye. Six o'clock news interview. How to pronounce your last name? More ass. And I'm like, I can't do this, but I get it. More ass. <laughs> we had a great okay, route. So I have a I have a commentating story for you. Yep. I did commentary for a couple of promotions locally. Since Fightful picked up, I've done a little bit, but I haven't had the the scheduling time to do it. Premier MMA Championships, Absolute Action MMA Championships. There's this guy, and he has a team, and they are known. They all fight the same way. They are zombies. They just move forward, slug, 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 slug. And the guy sent me a video. He's like, because I was like, hey, guys, I need some info about you, or otherwise I just might bury you on commentary. You're like, send me some info. Let me let me know you. And this guy sends me a video, and he's the coach of the team. He's like, I break bricks. And he sends me a video, and he was, he was definitely not able to break bricks. Because in the video, he tried and failed. Well, he he mollywopped this other dude in like seven seconds. So I'm like, all right, I know who you are. The next show, one of his students is on the show. And his name is spelled M-A-H-O-E. Maho. He, I said, hey, how do I pronounce this? It's kind of pertinent to the situation. And he's just like, however you want. However you want. That's not what I asked. So you better believe I had fun with it. I was going to say, I it bet you me, did. Me and Chris Smith. You would not want to meet Maho in a dark alley. Oh, my God. He yeah. is choking Maho. Yeah. I love these guys. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> that is so terrible. That's oh, so it, terrible. It, it got even better. Their corner was just loony. Great entertainers. They spilled ice and water in the cage. So, of course, I got to say, Maho is soaked! Wow! <laughs> Did you really do that? I got paid! Oh, my. Oh, my. You know what? There's, there's times. I want to go back to a Sarah Morat story in a second, but there, I can't even tell you how many times. And it happens all the time with me. Um, you know, specifically a Titan. Uh, and it's not a reflection of Titan. It's a reflection of the fighters. But there are some ass clown fighters sometimes. Like, you – like, I'm trying to get information from you, son. I'm trying to tell your story to the viewers that are going to be tuning in to watch you fight. And to those later on that one day will watch this fight, I would like I would like to give them stories, some background. They know you're a damn fighter. That's what we're doing. But more about you and blah, 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 blah. Like, help me out here. Give me something. Or or how do you pronounce your last name? Blah, 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 blah. You're just being an absolute idiot. Then they watch their fights. Then they have the nerve to message me or message people at Titan who then message me like, did you just see this? And I'm just kind of like, are these guys for real? When you start sending on messages, man, this guy didn't say anything about me. (laughs) 
You didn't give me anything. All I have is what's there. I'm looking at Kamara going, do you know anything about this guy? No, I thought you were getting notes. I didn't get any notes. What the hell with it? Let's go. All right. Walking down to the cage. I'm talking about something else while these guys are – anyways, it is what it is. Uh, only because I'm going to Titan tomorrow and i got to meet uh, – or I'm flying in uh, to Fort Lauderdale tomorrow uh, for Titan. And then Thursday I've got to do all this all over again, Sean. 20 fights? No. 10 fights, 20 fighters. So I'm going to have potentially 20 quick little sit-down interviews uh, to do with these guys and try and get some stories. But a real That's final thing. Do. And somebody yeah. actually that I know is uh, just sent me the clip. I'm going to see if I can run it today <laughs> on the show. Today on the show. That's just gangster. One thing about Sarah that I'll never forget, and I know, I know, and I appreciate all you guys and girls that hit us up on social media yeah. at Showdown Joe, at Sean Rossap, at Fightful MMA. Uh, you appreciate the stories that I do, uh, that I share, because, you know, for 20 years I've been doing this. I've been around and have an amazing time. I got more stories than you could ever possibly imagine. But you know, one of my highlights was with Sarah Morass. We did a literally a roundtable interview. Yeah. Uh, I think it was at the Mandalay Bay or MGM where we put the camera down, producer, camera guy, Sarah Morass, her manager, uh, and we just started doing a roundtable interview. Kevin Ioli walks over, right, and he's kind of looking at me. He's like, you know, can I, can I put my recorder down? Right, and I just said on camera, guys, Kevin Ioli is joining us right now. Kevin, please, by all means, have a seat. Gareth Davies walks over; he has a seat. It was just an amazing, really cool experience. And Sarah was just like, "This is the coolest thing ever," and she she just opened up and just started talking about blah blah. And then, obviously, knowing the, of my Italian background and that I can't, you know, I, I eat my pasta, but I, I won't eat sweets. She went off on a cheesecake theory, cheesecake this, and how amazing her cheesecake is. And her coach was talking about how amazing her cheesecake is. Joe, you got to try, you got to try it. I'm like, thankfully, you live on one side of the country. Yeah. I live on this side of the country. I ain't having any. But she did promise me uh, to bake me one. And uh, one time we'll get together and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of give Fightful uh, and Faithful and the fans uh, uh, a little uh, taste test. You know what I'm saying? Nice. Yes, yeah. She's gold, man. She's absolute gold. I like her. She's just a, a good soul, except when she steps into the cage. <laughs> She's a badass. No pun intended. I'm, I'm very, very stoked to see how she performs. And like I said, it's it's the first time she's been able to be active in a long time, Joe. So uh, shout-outs to Sarah Morass. <laughs> Tiago Alves, Curtis Melender. Curtis Melender is uh, a UFC... Uh, he's making his UFC debut. He's had great success in LFA. He won a Bellator fight last year. Had just between January of 2017 and January 2018, really good run. Uh, won an LFA fight via head kick last month over Nick Barnes. Didn't have the best go of it his first time in Bellator, but I mean, like he was he was a little younger then. He was in his mid to late twenties, but now he's he seemed to have put it all together. He's he's finishing people. For consistently for the first time in his career, well, the head Alves. kick, the head kick before this one. So the, the the last one was a head kick KO. Before this one was a head kick KO. That one was thirty eight seconds in. Like it was, a, he didn't even have to set that up. He just yeah. threw it. Boom. So yeah, game over. Thirty eight seconds. Head kick, knockout. So very quickly, very yeah. quickly. So uh, Tiago Alves, boy, that is a tall task to face. But if he beats Tiago Alves in his UFC debut, that's there you go. I mean, Tiago Alves is a guy who, at, when you were in Buffalo, he was fighting essentially maybe with his back up against the wall. Yeah. One, took his time, got back into it. But, I mean, he still is Tiago Alves. He still is 
guy who competed for a championship at UFC 100. People remember that. So if if Melender gets this win over Tiago Alves, that's definitely a big for him. Yeah, I'm not saying Melender defeating Alves is like Darren Till defeating Cowboy Cerrone, but you'll get some good cachet on your name. Right. You come into the UFC, uh, you know, back to back head kick knockouts, taking on a former contender uh, and emerging victorious, especially should he get a finish. That'll be impressive, Sean. I'm going to go with Melender Melender here. I think I'm going to pick him. Going to go with him. I'm also going with James Vick over Trinaldo, but that is a good, good fight. Uh, Vic has said that he thinks that Trinaldo has gas tank issues, even though he's known for going the distance. In yeah. that hot streak of Trinaldo's, he only has two finishes. So this could be a battle of attrition between these two guys. And uh, James Vic, on the other hand, he does finish with much more regularity. You saw him TKO Duffy uh, Reyes. He tapped out Trujillo with that beautiful Darsh choke. That was just really, really good. I'm I'm really excited for this, and not only that, I mean, you've got a guy in James Vick who is like, let's see, eight and one in his last nine UFC fights, but he won three fights on the Ultimate Fighter too against Dakota Cochrane, Joe Proctor, Darren Crookshank. Not like like there are tough fighters, and then there are like some of these tough fighters. Darren Crookshank was UFC level. Uh, Dakota Cochrane is thirty one and twelve career, and he's been on like one of the best streaks of his career over the last couple of years. So obviously he's got some spark to him. Joe Proctor was a guy that competed in the UFC. So these were these weren't just like entry bottom like, oh, we'll throw him on tough. This wasn't like uh was a strange brew or anybody. These were some okay fighters. Dude has skills. Yes, he does. Dude has skills and and he's got a mouth on him. Okay? So I think he and, and remember that post fight interview where he called out Dana White, like, dude, you're insane. You are insane for doing that, and he did it, and he got a better contract out of it. Yeah, right. So and he's got skills, and you know he's going to call it the way he sees it. Uh, I don't know what else he needs to do uh, to gain more hype. The only, I mean, it's it's hard at, at 155, Sean. Come on, it's there's that that division is just full of killers. The only thing you can really do to maximize your brand is, is to continue winning, getting your way all the way up in that top 10 and continue moving up, getting yourself in the mix with some of the bigger names in there because then you will quickly get, just ask Darren Till. Just ask Darren Till, right? So continue to finish guys or do what you can to finish guys in impressive fashion. I mean, he's he's finished everyone in his last, what, four fights? Or yeah. no, he lost a bit to Benil, so he, but he finished uh, Trujillo, Reyes, and Duffy. So Keep doing it, man. Just keep doing it. You're eventually going to get up there. Um, I mean, right now, where's he at right now? He's uh, 12. 12. He's number 12. And that didn't, that Darush thing is killing him. Uh, yeah. But yeah, he. I mean, look at those. As soon as you start getting into number eight and up, if you can get a matchup with one of those guys in the top eight, woohoo, buddy. I'm ready, I'm ready to see Kevin Lee fight again, man. Like, I know he had battled the staff infection. That's a lot to come o- overcome, but. It's been four or five months. I want to see Kevin Lee back in the cage because I still don't know what was going to happen if if a Kevin Lee was at 100% that night. Yeah. Uh, Derek Lewis, Marcin Tibera, I love this booking. A couple of guys coming off of losses. Tibera to Verdum, Lewis to Hunt, and Lewis is supposed to fight Verdum in October. Pulled out of the back or out of the fight on the day of the fight. Is Derek Lewis 100% and how does he look against Marcin Tibera? Because if he is not 100% against Tybura, he's going to get his head or maybe his leg kicked off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, 
I, I, I can't believe I'm warming up to Derek Lewis. I guess a lot of it had to do with the hurricane stuff. Uh, I want to see how he does it. But Tybura yeah. is no joke, man. You know, I, I in looking at Tybura just in general, I mean, mentally speaking, dude, you went five rounds with Fabrizio Verdum. Uh, you're not happy that you had that loss. You're going to come in there extremely hungry. Uh, and chances are it, you, you want to make an example of your next opponent. And what better example to make than a guy like Derek Lewis, who he probably thinks the same as a lot of people. Not a good guy, blah, 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 talks too much, rude, blah, blah. I'm going to shut this guy up. I'm going to work that much harder, right? Because this is, win over Derek Lewis for Tybura, does, does, that's a good cachet name, right? So get her done. Good for him. And, and for, for Derek Lewis, can remain relevant, put a hurting on Tybura in, in, in Derek Lewis fashion. I like it. Speaking of winning over a cachet name, Yanti Medeiros, who has won three in a row, taking on Donald Cerrone in the main event, who has lost three in a row. This is a real crossroads. If Darren Teal or if uh, Donald Cerrone is able to win, that keeps him very relevant. Medeiros has looked real good in his last three fights. And some of the guys that I talk about this, often the guys that these people run into. Well, here are the people that Yanti Medeiros ran into that left him Looking inconsistent. Francisco Trinaldo, Dustin Poirier, Jim Miller, Rustam Habilov. All right, that that'll happen. Jim Miller, you flip a coin, you'll get you'll get the maybe the result of his fight. You just don't know. He's in that carousel. Dustin Poirier's really good. Trinaldo's really good, and uh, Habilov's really good. Habilov's won five in a row. So he's he's fought top level guys for a long, long time. I don't know if Donald Cerrone's going to give him anything that he hasn't seen, but if we're talking like that, then what the hell is Yancey Madero's going to offer Donald Cerrone that he hasn't seen? The thing is, everything that Donald Cerrone has seen over the past year has been tragic for him, and it's come at him very, very fast. And we talk about how he stopped sparring and how he had that sinus infection that really affected him. Like a lot of things happened to him that that changed him, and he's he's getting finished by by Masvidal and Teal, and he went three rounds with Lawler, and it's like, man, I'd almost rather be finished by Lawler in the first and go three rounds with the guy. Yeah. So uh, this is this is uh, Cerrone ain't getting cut. No way they let Bellator have a crack at him. Not a oh. chance. No, I mean Cerrone's got a future at middleweight, right? He's got a future of whatever division <laughs> he wants, it, especially in Bellator. Oh my yeah. God, they will have him fighting a pitbull brother in no time. Yeah, he'll be he'll go through that roster within a week. He'll fight every single fighter on that in that roster every week. He'd, he'd be getting all kinds of paychecks. Not very good for his health, but yeah. um, I, I still like Donald Cerrone in this fight. You know, I, I think it'll go the full distance. I think it could, it'll go five rounds, but well, potentially go five rounds, but. Unless these two guys start losing their marbles, and we saw in Yancey's last fight, he ain't backing down from nobody, and he'll go hard and hard and hard. And you know, I, I think if Donald fights the way Donald fights, if he can dictate the dictate the pace in this fight here, it'll go longer until the opportunity presents itself to knock out Medeiros. Now, if he does smell blood and Medeiros doesn't go away, we'll get our we'll get our phone booth fight. So. Yeah. Either way, this is, I mean, this is the beauty of having an amazing performance for Yancey Medeiros in his last fight. The expectation now is that you're going to do it again in the following fight. And that doesn't always come true. 
Okay, I mean anyone that watches fights in general uh, or any sport in general, whatever what you did last night, you can you know any sport you win ten nothing doesn't mean you're going to win ten nothing in your next game. Okay, so it, uh, but we're looking for uh, a very game Yancey, or Yancey Medeiros. Donald Cerrone has his back against the wall. Uh, something has to give here. I can't see these two guys. I mean, can you really see these two guys being tentative for five rounds? No, but I mean right? uh, Cerrone has been more tentative than ever. And when he gets cracked, he doesn't seem to recover the same way. Uh, we'll see. I'm very stoked for that that show. It's going to be a really, really, really good main card. But here's what the pros think. Oh, man. You know what? Uh, I'm a I'm a huge fan of Cowboy, man. I think Cowboy's going to go out there and do work. I love Cowboy. I love his attitude. He's a hard worker. He's taking some time off to let his body heal. And that's the thing about Cerrone. He'll, he'll take some time off. He'll go out there and just crush somebody. And they'll and they'll have very he'll be very consistent, and I think he doesn't let his, his body give it, give it time to heal up, and it just kind of fades a little bit. He doesn't do as well, so he's taking some time off. He's recharged the batteries. I think he's going to go out there and do work. So I'm going for Cerrone. That, that's a bad matchup for uh, Cerrone. You know, I think that uh, I think he's kind of shifted into that gatekeeper uh, title now. But so uh, you know, Yancey had that that really really good fight with. Um, uh, Alex, uh, Alex Oliveira, and, uh, I, I, you know, uh, Cerrone, he's just, I don't think he can go getting those kind of wars anymore. You know, we saw what Darren Till did to him. And, uh, I think that, uh, Yancey just out tough Cerrone. Man, that's, that's a tough one. Uh, I'm, I'm a big cowboy fan. Uh, but Yancey Mendoza is, is a beast. Uh, I know he used to fight at 55. Now he's at 70 and he seems to be doing really well. So that's a toss awesome, but I'm going to go with Cowboy since that's my boy, and uh, you know, I hope he gets the job done. That's going to be a fight of the night right there. I think Yancey Medeiros. I think decision. I'm a huge fan of Cowboy, but I got to root for my my, my my island boy, man, Yancey Medeiros. Dude, uh, his last fight with the other Cowboy was just, holy cow, that was crazy. So I'm ready for uh, an, uh, another fellow island boy, Yancey Medeiros, winning that fight. I like Yancey, but I got to go with Cowboy, I think. I think he'll pick him apart in a decision. Cerrone, Cerrone, he um, he, you know, he's coming off a loss. He, he's uh, you know, he's he's kind of like he seems like he's high and low. You know, he like he uh, goes through um, waves. And uh, I think when he gets a loss, he just, I don't know, maybe it kicks him to an extra gear or whatever. But he usually runs a good win streak off, um, you know, after a loss or two or whatever. So, I, and I like Cerrone. You know, I don't want I don't want to root against him. That's I like his style. I like him. So that's gonna be a good fight right there, man. Cause uh, I actually, I, I was gonna not not by you know no no offense to him, but I, was, I thought Yancey was gonna lose that last fight. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Yancey, man. Yancey's a gamer. He could he could he could take it. And Cerrone Cerrone's been slowing down just a bit. And uh, Yancey, man, Yancey could take a shot and keep going. So I think I think I think I think I'll go with Yancey on that one. In an update. I do have the clip. <laughs> I do have the clip. So what I'll have you do, do Joe, because we're on a little bit of a delay. When I run it, I'll have you listen to it on the YouTube page, and then I'll carry us in uh, until it till it ends when the time comes. Okay. A lot of people going with Yancey because uh, Donald Cerrone has shown that that weakness in the past, but but we'll see how it goes. Also this weekend, Bellator one ninety four. I had. No desire to watch Mitch Rion and Roy Nelson fight again. Don't really have 
any desire to watch Patricky Pitbull fight Derek Campos again. Uh, but Heather Hardy's on the show. You know I'm fond of her. Yep. Liam McGeary's on the show. Excited to watch her. Tywan Claxton on the show, and he had a great debut. Uh, Heather Hardy casually mentioned to James Lynch that WWE Hall of Famer Johnny Rods, when she trained as an amateur boxer, was trying to get her to train to be a pro wrestler. I think that would have worked out very well for her. Uh, and I don't think she knew that he was a WWE Hall of Famer or that he trained other WWE Hall of Famers like the Dudley Boys and Taz, who will eventually go in there. So uh, that that's a nice uh, nice callback. She's facing a woman who is two and three, and you know I'm sure a lot of that will get some criticism and stuff. But I think it's fair to put a woman who is one and one against a woman who is two and three, and especially one who has a kickboxing background. You know what she's going to come and do, and that's the type of fight that a Heather Hardy. That's that's why you're having her there. She's in her mid thirties, like she's 36 years old. I don't know that she's going to be making a run anytime soon. So give her fun fights. Why not? Of course, why not? That makes total sense. I, I mean, it, it is what it is sometimes, right? You can't sit there sometimes and look at a scenario and say, yeah, you know, we're prepping her to one day get a title shot. If it ain't going to happen, but she wants a fight, she does not, you know, there's no damage per se, fun fights. Get her done. Mitrione Nelson, I mean, Mitrione probably clips Nelson and puts him away, I would imagine, maybe. I don't know. They're both way beyond their leash, and they're just stretching, trying to break off of it. But here we go. We got this main event. It is, it is of circumstance. It's in the uh, you are the Bellator Heavyweight Championship Tournament. You know, the one that Bobby Lashley isn't in, who is Correct. arguably as big of a name as any of these guys. And the one that Justin Wren isn't in, who is arguably the best heavyweight that they have. Okay, sure, whatever. Why not? Who do you think wins this? Uh, I think Matt pulls it off. I think I Matt Mitrion pulls it off. It's three rounds. Uh, Roy, in my opinion, obviously isn't the Roy that he was before. Um, I think Matt brings in a uh, well. He brings in a, a, a speedier offense. You know, uh, he just can't get caught, right? You know what I'm saying? Not not just can't can't get caught with the punch that's that's being overly obvious can't get caught stand or, or or framing himself in a manner where you know when you're sticking and moving and you you're you're enjoying your punch right you you're enjoying what just landed you're throwing it and you sit there and you admire it well roy's not going to sit there and allow you to admire anything because no matter what he's going to throw something back if he's not knocked out so it's when you're you're admiring yourself that you get in big trouble versus a guy like roy nelson but if you're sticking and moving punishing roy um you know d- don't be afraid to throw the uppercut against roy nelson because that middle is sometimes often open um and and for roy just you know <laughs> Being that I, I think he's short, he's shorter than um, than Matt per se, and the reach advantage would be uh, with Mitrione. So I think he's got to get on that inside and, and punish the body. Don't just go for the knockout punch right away, man. Punish the body, pu- punish Matt's body so those hands begin to drop. Then you can start landing your bombs up top, and you know. But you, you just never know when it comes to a Roy Nelson fight. Uh, and Matt Mitrione, you know, and we, he looked great against Fedor, obviously, but Fedor is not who Fedor once was. So uh, I, I'll give the edge right now. Uh, to Matt Mitrione, I just want to look at the odds here for one second to see what the public had or what the the bookies have it at. Yeah, Matt Mitrione's a minus one ninety uh, to Roy Nelson's plus one sixty five. I think those are fair odds. I do too. Uh, there are a couple of high level fights on this show: Patricky Pitbull, Derek Campos, 
Now, they fought in 2014. Patricky knocked him out. Patricky says that he doesn't see any major improvements in Campos' game, but that, that is obviously not true. He went from losing three of four to winning four in a row. Patricky, uh, probably I'm still giving the edge to here. He is uh, as hot as he has ever been in his career over the past couple of years outside of that loss to Michael Chandler. Uh, I think that he has looked as good as... Probably probably even better than I remember seeing him in the early days of Bellator, like 2011. But there's that. And then Vadim Nimkov and Liam McGeary. That's a good fight. Like A lot of people don't know about uh, Nimkov, but he's he's a good fighter. He's a very good fighter. Uh, and, and listen, this main card is, is no joke whatsoever. I mean, it's, it's it may not have the cachet name value of a UFC event or UFC fighters, but there are some names on here uh, that even people outside of, of the hardcore fan base should know who they are. Right, I mean, it's it's it, it. The very first belt on the on the main card is going to be fantastic. I cannot see it being a, a crappy 145 pound fight. You know, yeah. I think it's going to be fantastic. And then of course Heather Hardy. Um, I think everyone loves Heather Hardy. Although sometimes you think that why isn't she pulling the trigger? Just pull it, man. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Let's go. And you know she's going to have a fun fight there. And you know Liam McGree and Nemkov. Come on, man. That's a oh, sick yeah. fight. That is a sick, sick fight. And what if Campos pulls off this victory? Title shot. Right? Instantly. Title shot, yeah. Well, uh, aren't aren't Primus and Chandler fighting for the... Well, I mean, after that, yeah. After that, yeah, 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 okay, yeah. Because I think if if Chandler wins, they're probably, they're not going to give Primus a rematch based on that one fight that he... Well, it's Bellator, so they might, they might... Oh, ready-made! That's how they do. Uh, You had mentioned that Ben Askren thinks that he'll fight George St. Pierre in 2019. Uh, I don't. Well, he says he thinks he is, yeah, <laughs> right? George is going to be it, – it's, it's – I'll say this. The odds of it happening are, are beyond slim. I mean slim is giving it an overrated uh, analogy. Give it a plus 800 for happening. Yeah, but Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor happened, right? Yeah, but here's the thing, Joe. That was a striking affair in a boxing match. Uh, featuring two big-ass pay-per-view draws. With all due respect to Ben Askren, he has not drawn a pay-per-view in his life because I don't think he's ever been on a pay-per-view in his life. That's really all i got to say about that. And he's an unbelievable wrestler. He might still be Bellator welterweight champion had he not left. But I, I, I just don't see that happening. I don't see that happening. Uh, and you know what? He might beat GSP if it happens. But I just don't see it happening. And I can't believe that he thinks it would happen because the UFC would either have to sign him or release GSP to do it, and that's not happening. I don't know that they're going to have some big renewed interest in him now that they didn't have when he was fresh off of a Bellator run, now that he's been fighting uh, scrubs in 1FC and retired. I don't see it. I would love it. I would love to see that fight, though. Sure. Why not? But it's not for the number one welterweight in the world. No, it's not. Right? So it'd have to be like a one-off fight. Right? It's the personal, I am the number one welterweight in the world. That's all it is. Yeah. Right? It's not It's not even the real thing. Because right now, Tyron Woodley's the number one welterweight in the world. Yeah. Right? So, and, and I understand what Ben's doing, but the only way to have done that... Uh, despite the crap deal that he was offered by the, the UFC, or the, the, the so-called crap deal that he says, although I do take a side for it. I don't 
Dana didn't like Ben at all, so I could see him lowballing him or just giving him a terrible deal. But if you wanted that done, you had to do it in the UFC at the time. Uh, but I also know Joe Silva was just not remotely a fan of Ben Askren. He, you know, he, I don't know if he, one time he was public with it, where he called him the most boring fighter in MMA. You know, the bo- most boring champion in MMA. You just simply can't end a fight. You're constantly going five rounds at the time. All right. Nobody wants to see him fight. No, I, we don't want that guy to potentially be our champion, yeah. right? So that what was else, that. What else we got? Is that it? Is that, that would it? Be it yeah, I mean, uh, well, do you think Mark Hunt's done? We didn't really get into that. He wants to fight one more time. And by the way, Curtis Blade says he might entertain offers from Bellator when his UFC deal expires. And he straight up said it. He's like, more money for less competition? That sounds nice. Uh, if he does that, he might be heavyweight champion for uh, five years. He might be their heavyweight champion for five years, unless Minikov comes back. They find a way to get Ivanov or somebody like that that can that can actually fight him, or Cole Conrad just goes broke on the stock markets or something. But uh, Mark Hunt, I would, you know, he says a lot of this stuff. It's it's. I think it's very much going to be a UFC Rampage situation where Rampage hated UFC and Mark Hunt hated UFC. But why do you hate the UFC, Mark? Because of drug testing? Because you're fighting guys that are on steroids? Oh, what do you think's happening when you go outside the UFC? How's that going to work out for you? How were you th- what were you thinking when you were competing in Japan? Yeah, I would agree. So guys, without further ado, I'm going to run the clip. I was far too proud of myself during this. <laughs> This was from Absolute Action MMA. I can't remember what event it was. Here you go. And uh, I'll tell you, Maho does not look like somebody you want to run into in a dark alley. Yeah, Lynch is going to try to slap Maho here. Oh, trip up. Nicely done. Oh, that was a low blow. Uh, Maho, uh, Maho is not happy about that. No, absolutely not. And with good reason. Well, Maho never likes it. So we get it between the legs. No, no. <laughs> yeah, I would expect Maho to be very aggressive here. Inside Maho is foaming from the mouth. Oh, and a big straight shot. Lynch holding on to Maho. Oh, big knee to the face of Maho. Jacob Lynch trying to crack away right now. Lynch trying his best to choke Maho. And Jacob Lynch is all over. <laughs> it's all over Maho right now, riding this thing out. I have a feeling you can't find Maho not aggressive. Maho not using his knees at all. Boy, Maho has landed some really hard shots. Wow. Lynch has landed shots all over Maho. I don't. <laughs> I don't want there to be a loser here tonight. That's the way. I'm just having a blast, man. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready for round three, but here it comes. Are you all ready for round three? I don't think I'm ready. Maho's corner man is wiping up the wetness with his own shirt. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up from, from the, the ASAP fight team. They are the most colorful fight team I'm gone, in man. the country. They're great. I love these guys. I love watching this. these guys. This is awesome. Maho is exhausted. I would guess so. 
So is Lynch. They both look wore out. Maho seems to be loading up for one more big shot. And it's like, it's just not there for him. Paolo. I believe I'm saying that correctly. I hope I am. Maho is much easier to say. <sighs> Miss my broadcast partner, Chris Smith. I'd love to get to call action with him again. So shortly after that, you know, I was like, oh, man, I'm going to have to hear about this later. The corner came to me after that aired, and they're like, we love it. It was awesome. And I was like, thanks. He missed most of the good stuff, too, but my favorite part of that was when you saw the corner man without a shirt running behind us uh, back to the corner because it dropped videos or it dropped, uh, dropped water and ice all over the place. I'm going to find that, and I'm going to find the full clip. It's on Absolute Action Maze uh, YouTube somewhere, but yeah. You need to immediately end this podcast – Put that up on Fightful MMA, <laughs> and everybody watching this right now needs to retweet it and share it immediately. Well, no, because, Joe, I don't want to put you out of a job at Titan and Ryzen. I, I, I'm They'll willing call to take me that. immediately. I'll have to take the flight. I, I'm willing to take that risk. My God. That God. thing will go viral real quick. Guys, we have UFC Austin coverage this weekend. We have a Fightful alternate commentary podcast for the Extreme Elimination Chamber coming up this weekend. I have uh, Wikipedia Fact Check is returning. Muhammad Hassan is the first guest Thursday morning. He talks about all kinds of stuff, some major errors in that Wikipedia. But uh, Joe, what do you got going on this weekend? Titan, obviously. Yeah, Titan. Uh, leaving tomorrow morning. Uh, landing obviously there in the evening. Uh, well, late morning, and then landing there in the evening uh, tomorrow. Uh, settling in, and then uh, Thursday we have our uh, the official weigh-ins. I get to sit down, and I'll hopefully tell you guys stories next Tuesday about the disaster, or hopefully no disasters with some of these fighters. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at some of them. Uh, I don't think there'll be any disasters. There's a few, um, I guess you could say, uh, eagle maniacs. If I'm allowed to say that, uh, we'll see what kind of conversations I have with them. Obviously, be catching up with Kamara Usman. Uh, hopefully, Amanda Nunez will be there. Uh, it's always full. you all. I don't know if you will be back uh, in time, especially with that injury. But uh, with Gustavo Bellart fighting, Gustavo Bellart can go to seven and zero. Like I mean, whew, uh, very close with Yoel Romero. Uh, like I, when I say close, I mean like they pretty much live together. So. Yeah. If he comes out and supports his boy, uh, I'll try and get a conversation or catch up with UL Romero. And then Friday night's the event, UFC Fight Pass. Uh, Kamara Usman and I uh, with the call should have a great time. And then uh, fly back on Saturday on two hours sleep. Uh, of course, there's no UFC event that night, thankfully. But uh, it would have been very difficult. But uh, yeah, two hours sleep, come home, chill. Back to work with my team video and mortgages and more MMA stuff. Got to catch up and see what Sean's doing and to see if that viral or if that video goes viral that Sean's going to post momentarily. Oh, Vinny. Vinny. I was recording the game. Oh. Drag. Follow Joe at Showdown Joe. Spoil him. Follow me at Sean Ross. Follow us at Fightful.com and FightfulMMA.com at Fightful Online. Until next time, guys. We are out. Subscribe, like, thumbs up.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.